Welcome back to Finer Thoughts Creator, where we discuss everything life. We look at navigating life's ups and downs for entrepreneurs, authors, corporations, and individuals. We all have a story. What's yours? What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Finding Thoughts Creator with Callie. Now, today we have a special guest. She is a child of God, wife, mother, author, loyal friend, life coach, just to name a few. The author of the book, Forgiving the Girl Inside. Lisa, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. I'm honored that we're together connecting. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, so we are reviewing your book today, which I found to be such an awesome read. Forgiving the Girl Inside. How did you decide on the title of this book? That was a lot of brainstorming. <laughs> I, prior to the age of 17, I was faced with two pregnant, three pregnancies, two of them ended in abortion. And I held that with me for years and years, tried to heal, went through therapy and all kinds of different um, modalities. And I could never forgive myself. I even in 2010, I did a study on forgiveness and felt that it was for everyone else but myself. And 2014, I connected with a mentor and we were talking about what Lisa wants. And no one had ever asked me that before. And I thought, well, I want peace. Well, how do you get peace? And I started exploring that and began my one word journey and I swore I would never tell. It's the first title of the chapter one. And I didn't. I kept it hidden in my heart because I was so ashamed. And so I felt so guilty. And I realized when I started my coaching journey that this was preventing me, the unforgiveness towards myself was preventing me from serving other women who were going through the same thing. And forgiveness came up. I was working with my author coach and he's like, well, if you could share one result with somebody, what would it be? I go, forgiving the girl inside. He goes, that's a perfect title. <laughs> he goes, what about it resonates with you? I'm like, I don't forgive myself. How can I write about something that I don't have a result in? Wow. He's like, well, it's time to get the results. Yeah. So that's how it came about. Wow. Interesting. Now, for you to dedicate this book to your husband. For standing beside you on this roller coaster healing ride, emotions that you brought him on, this speaks to his level of commitment to you. Was there ever a point where your husband was like, "Hey, I'm at my breaking point"? What was that like? He's like that every day with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got into a spat earlier because I was short with him. Uh, things trigger me. Winter is really hard. I live in upstate New York. It's very dreary here. I I have sad <laughs> seasonal affective disorder. And if I'm really focused on working, I don't like to be interrupted. So he puts up with my moods, my emotional uh, swings with my snarkiness. And he's just, he knew, apparently the man that I was with that I had the pregnancies with, when we broke up, we got into, it was very, he was a narcissist gaslighter. We got into a huge argument and he told me that, that he would basically tell my mom you know, if I ever left him to this, you know, all the threats and stuff. And I never knew he told my mom, my mom didn't tell me that she knew. So my husband and I actually got into a huge argument and I left him and 
my mom, he called my mom and talked to her and she told him. So when we got back together, I had said to him, well, you don't want me because this is what I've done. And he's like, I know your mom told me. I said, well, why didn't you ever tell me that that you knew? Because it wasn't my place to share that because I figured if you want me to know, you would share that with me. And that really touched my heart because I thought, you know, he didn't judge me. He didn't, you know, think of me any less. And he was really supportive. And when I told him I was going to share my story with the world, he's like, are you sure you want to do that? Because you haven't been able to share it with anyone. He goes, now you're going to write a book. I said, yeah. He goes, okay. He goes, I, I hope you did the hard work with that because that's a really tough story to share. And that's a critical question. First, you swore you, you won't tell and now you're sharing it with the entire world. What made you go from one extreme to the next? God, <laughs> he kept tapping me on the shoulder and saying, listen, you need to do this. I realized when I did start to share my story, telling my husband was huge. I mean, I met my husband in 1989 and I told him in 2016. That's a huge secret to go with for your whole, I mean, basically I'm with him more, more more than half of my life. And if you can't tell the person that you love something so deep inside of you that directs your path because your body knows and it snuck up on me so often. And I went through all this different therapy and he's like, why, like, why are you so angry? So for him to stand by my side that whole entire time and support me, it was like, wow. And now to be able to understand that if I can help someone who has experienced the same thing. No one talks about what happens post-abortion. You know, you you got your pro-lifers, you got this. And I was afraid to be, like, I was afraid to support um, pro-life because I was a hypocrite. I can't support it. And there's a local agency called Compass Care that's in my area. And we do a walk for life. And I wanted to do this walk, but I couldn't because I'm a hypocrite. I had two abortions. Who am I to walk and say, you should choose life over abortion. And when I started digging deep into my why, I realized the choices I made when I was 16 were completely different based on a different person, different beliefs. And my younger self had the decision to make based on the tools and the people I had in my life at that time and what I knew. And what I know to be true now, I really needed to connect those two, those two people together and say, okay, let's turn around and use this. What was the good that happened for me because I chose two abortions versus instead of being that victim in that triangle mode and saying, oh, this was something I chose to do. It really affected my life. I messed up. I'm a victim. Now I can turn around and say, no, this happened for a reason. It happened for me. And you know, scripture says to give thanks in all circumstances. What can I give thanks for? Well, I got away from the person that was gaslighting me and, you know, was a narcissist. I made the decision to be more careful. <laughs> and I say that lightly because, you know, three pregnancies prior to age 18. So the third child I had, I kept. And, you know, I really thought about giving him up for adoption. And I was like, no, I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this the right way. Why did that cross your mind though? Because of the entire ordeal before. So I came from a very dysfunctional family and I was very controlled and brainwashed on religion. I grew up strong Catholic Italian and I was told like, you know, fornicating was a sin, but it was going to do it anyway. So you didn't go on birth control because birth control was a form of abortion. So even though you are sinning and fornicating, you know, you don't go on uh, birth control because that's a form of abortion. So which is the worst? 
you know, when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, your hormones are crazy. And I had, my boyfriend was older and we were engaged. I mean, I had a promise ring, you know, and in my situation, my mom got married at 19 and looking back now, basically she kind of transferred her life onto mine. And when I did get pregnant, the the third time I, I knew I was going to have the baby because I had made these promises to God and being in the religion, I didn't really understand like the forgiveness. I, I, I didn't choose to find out. I didn't choose to research it. Even though my favorite question to ask was why, why would I do this? And I was just, you know, I, I come from a divorced family. I didn't really have a dad and my dad abandoned us. I had a wonderful stepfather, but what I know now is that I was abandoned and I wanted, I wanted love. I wanted acceptance And this man who gave me the attention that I was looking for, who totally controlled my actions. I mean, he would say, jump, I would say how high, and you just get caught in that cycle and you you're afraid to walk away. So the thought of, you know, having sex with him wasn't wrong to me. It was something right. I was in love. Right. But then after he kept, you know, he was cheating on me, he cheated on me with my best friend. And then I broke up with him. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Well, then stupid me at age 17 went back with him and got pregnant again. And I said, no way. I'm not, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to do this. And I looked at myself and I said, what does Lisa's life look like if I stay with this guy and marry him? Because now we are engaged. We're going to get married. We had the wedding date all set, all the plans, the details. It was going to be on his birthday. It was going to be the month after the baby was born. And my maid of honor at the time said, are you really, really going to go through with this? You know, she's buying like engraved glasses with our dates. I'm like, of course I'm going to go through this. Why wouldn't I go through with this? And she had been with me the whole time, the, the whole three years of the relationship. And she's like, okay. And you know, her name was Lisa as well. And I was like two weeks before I caught him cheating on me with his best friend's sister. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to come home from working all day you know, cooking these meals and having my husband not be here out cheating on me, never showing up for dinner. I'm not doing it. So it created a lot of chaos in my family. And my mom kind of disowned me because I chose to break up with them. And I was like, it's my choice. It's my life. I'm not reliving your life. Wow. Wow. So much trauma that I'm hearing. So you said for 30 years, you tried to bury your shame and guilt, hiding behind on healthy coping mechanisms of addiction, retail therapy. Was there ever a point when you made up in your mind that, okay, this is enough. I have to stop. I have to go to a therapist and get some help. I was in therapy. <laughs> I had, I was in therapy every year from 1986 until 2013. And every single time I met with, like I would change therapists because they weren't connecting or I wasn't getting any results. I did all kinds of programs. I'm, I'm an avid reader. So a lot of the therapists would say, I want you to read this book on anger, or this book on healthy boundaries. Yeah. And I would read them and I would implement it. But the, you know, external factors, I was so eager to have external validation. I couldn't make a decision without asking seven people. I needed everyone's opinion. And then I would just, I, w I knew something was missing, but I couldn't place it. So, yeah. you know, drinking would numb the pain. Overeating would satisfy, you know, some of the things that were going through my head, the triggers, which I didn't recognize. I just knew something was happening. So I would just eat or drink. The retail therapy got me in trouble because I ended up being in credit card debt and depriving myself, having a scarcity mindset. And I just, I worked with a money mindset coach, Heidi Carter, to be able to heal from that and find out that 
because of my, my abandonment from my father and having this scarcity mindset, my parents were both entrepreneurs. We were very wealthy. When they split up, we became poor and we went on this cycle. And I was taught that you had to work really hard. Money doesn't grow on trees. So if you want something, work your tail off and you can go get it. So I'm saving all this money towards retirement and depriving myself of just having an ice cream soda. So when I went out, I would go nuts and I would just, you know, instead of having a system in place and uh, it was, it was just really something that I controlled. Right. So I, I know you mentioned that validation that you required. You, you mentioned seven persons just to make a de- decision. No, you said forgiveness pardons the offender and sets them free when you're truly the transgressor. How hard was it for you to truly forgive yourself and accept your reality? It was the most difficult decision that I had to make. I, I refused to forgive myself because I didn't deserve I felt that I deserved internal punishment. And in, I went through this class called the healing journey and I now facilitated it. It's, I've been in it for four years. And the first year I went through it was in September of 18. In January of 19, the small group leader knew I was holding on to something and I had shared my story, but I didn't share the details. I didn't share the fact that I had two abortions. I just said something, I made a horrific choice. And she put a, a, a heavy wool sweater on me and she's like, you can carry this burden with you. She was, but realize, you know, feel the sweater as a three wet wool blankets that are freezing cold. That's what you're carrying with you. So I don't want you to take off that sweater until you decide to forgive yourself. And I'm like, you know, 20 minutes later, I'm like, I don't want this ugly, itchy sweater on me. So I said, no, I, I forgive myself. And I really thought that I did forgive myself, but I could never share my story. If I thought about the abortions, I would cry. I came across a book and I learned that, you know, they had souls that went to heaven. And my friend told me that there was this thing called Rachel's garden. You can actually name your children. So I never looked into Rachel's garden, but I decided to ask God so I can name my children and just pray about it and ask them for forgiveness. So I jumped up a boy and a girl and over and over again, I had this dream and I thought, okay. And then my mom had passed away in October of 2018 and I kept dreaming of a boy and a girl and a boy and a girl. And I had told my daughter and my one son, my younger son, what I had done. And my daughter, I had thought my, so my oldest is 35 and he was married and they were going to have babies. And I have two twin nieces that were also having babies. And I said, well, someone's having a boy and a girl. And over and over again, I had this dream and my daughter said, mom, these are probably your babies. She said, you know, you need to pray about that. So when I was writing my book, I was praying about it. And I realized that these were my babies and I named them Michael and Tamara. And, you know, I had like, I made, when my mom passed away, I got into rock painting and we, we painted rocks and we hit them around the city for people to find. They had messages on them of encouragement, scripture, things like that. I wanted to ask you why Michael and Tamara, when you did the abortion, did you know what the gender was or you just decided to, because I was so early in the pregnancy. I was literally like my period came like clockwork. I was literally like six weeks pregnant when I found out. And it wasn't, it was just, uh, I was, it was explained to me that it was just, uh, it had no heartbeat. There was just a tissue. So whether or not that's true, I don't know, but that's what I was told. 